Thanks, Joe. And uh, do yeah, please keep your Bibles open there in front of you. We'll look particularly at the uh, 1 Timothy 5 passage and a number of other passages as we... Uh, another, another number of other verses as we go through and uh, those verses will hopefully also come up on the screen for you. Um, as we've just read, God's Word uh, cuts us to the heart. Uh, let's pray that we'll be... Uh, cut to the heart, affected deeply by what we read this morning, that we might grow uh, as God's people because of it. Let's pray. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word, the Bible, you teach us all we need to know about ourselves, about yourself, and about all that you have done. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the opportunity to have uh, heard the gospel and as we uh, reflect on all you've done for us and the salvation that you provide, we pray that uh, you'll help us to live in turn in ways which uh, bring glory to you and we ask this Lord uh, in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. We come to chapter Five of First Timothy this week, and we see that Paul begins a series of very practical instructions, uh, starting with a, a long section devoted for uh, devoted to caring for widows in the church. Uh, and at first reading, this might seem a little strange to us that Paul spends so long on this topic. Uh, now of course, there are widows in the church today, as there were then, women whose husbands have passed away, and. No doubt we, we believe it's important to care for them as we care for all members of the church. Uh, but we probably don't see them as particularly needy or vulnerable, uh, especially in today's uh, society. Uh, for the most part, a widow can be financially secure, live just as full a life as anyone else, have no more or less needs necessarily than anyone else, um, notwithstanding the unique emotional struggle of losing your spouse that's not to be discounted but we wouldn't necessarily today single out widows as being uh, in, in particular need of assistance or in particular need of uh, practical or financial assistance but it was quite different in the first century world uh, widows in paul's day uh, are among the most vulnerable and the most needy uh, this is clear throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. Widows are ranked up there with the fatherless and the foreigner as the most, most vulnerable in society, among those most in need of protection because they are so easily taken advantage of. Uh, in a patriarchal society where so much security and stability relies on men, on the male as the head of the household, women were vulnerable and especially so if they had lost their husband. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, many, uh, there are many negative references to widows. Uh, it's stated in the negative. It was an awful uh, turn of events if you were to become a widow. And, and there, there are many commands to treat widows well, to ensure them justice, precisely because it was so easy for people to treat them badly without their husband to protect them. In the first century AD, uh, a woman who lost her husband was vulnerable. She could well have lost her source of income and protection, perhaps her home. Without a husband, she would have found it very very hard to be respected in society, uh, to, to gain a fair hearing at court, for example. Uh, Jesus tells the parable in Luke 18 of the persistent widow. 
who only gets a hearing from the judge because of her persistence. Even the Jews as a nation had trouble treating widows well. Uh, Quite often in Mark 12, Jesus warns his disciples against the proud teachers of the law because they love to be respected and honoured, and yet, chapter 12, verse 40, they devour widows' houses. (laughs) And for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Widows are among those most easily taken advantage of at the time that Paul is writing. They were often treated poorly because of their, their vulnerable situation. In the, the next part of Mark chapter 12, Jesus and the disciples see an object lesson of, of, of what he's just taught when the poor widow comes into the temple and gives two small coins, uh, all she has, all she can afford to give, uh, while those who could support her many times over... <laughs> They just dump bags of cash into the temple offering for show. Widows were often vulnerable, open to abuse, ignored, poor and in need. And it was, it was the church's job to see that they were cared for. Uh, it was the job of every Christian to care for the needy in their own family and the job of the church to see that those who didn't have that support were cared for. Uh, we'll see how this is described and we'll think about what the implications are for us as we delve into 1 Timothy chapter 5 here, the first half of the chapter. So as I mentioned, as we move into chapter 5, Paul begins a section of very specific instructions, uh, very specific teaching on aspects of church life, instructions Timothy is to pass on to the people. And Paul spends quite a lot of time, 14 verses, talking just about widows. It's clear he's responding to a situation of, of, of some significance, some importance in Ephesus particularly. Uh, and, and the bottom line, uh, churches to care for those widows who are really in need. This is clear in the first and last verses of our passage. So chapter 5, verse 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Uh, give proper recognition means that to honour or respect, to care for. Uh, and then you look down to 5, verse 16. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Uh, the church is clearly, uh, as Paul is saying, has the responsibility to help those widows in need. Uh, this is an issue which may have its own nuances at Ephesus. Of course, it's also an issue more broadly. At the time, we see that the church is actively caring for widows from the very start. Um, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Uh, This was obviously a key part of church life, caring for those in need, particularly being described here, those those widows receiving this daily distribution of food uh, from the very start, the church is caring uh, for those, uh, particularly those widows who are needy. And well, in doing so, they were being quite different to society as a whole. At the time, Christians, the church family, were to treat widows differently. They were to care for those who were truly in need. And as they do so, well, they would just be reflecting God's concern for the vulnerable and needy. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we see God's concern for the vulnerable. And again, it's often widows who are mentioned. Deuteronomy 10, verse 18, 
uh, verse 17 and 18 I'll read. Uh, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Uh, From the psalm that we read at the start of the service, Psalm 146, verse 9, The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The caring for the needy is just an outworking of our faith. It's a thing that God finds pleasing because this is what God does. Uh, James 1, verse 27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, This care for the widow is demonstrated specifically by uh, Jesus. John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. At the very point of his death on the cross, Jesus ensures the care of his mother Mary when he's gone. Uh, it's no question that this is right and good, and the, uh, our concern for those in need should reflect uh, God's love and concern for those in need, for the vulnerable. Uh, it's, doing this is just doing what God requires of us. And it would have set the early church apart in society at the time, whether among Jews or Gentiles. Um, But at the same time, the church isn't primarily uh, a social welfare organisation. That's that's not quite what Paul's describing here. Before the church becomes involved in caring for the needy widows, there's another family that are responsible for caring for them, Paul says. That's their own immediate family. Uh, Have a look at a few verses there in chapter 5, 5 verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Uh, chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Give the people these instructions, so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who's not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Then have a look down at verse 16 again. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. So Christians as a church, but also Christians individually, uh, they take it as their responsibility to care for their family members. Uh, the, the children and grandchildren of widows were to ensure that those women were cared for. For Paul to have to command this means that there were obviously some, maybe many, who weren't accepting this responsibility. Uh, And it's not that to be a widow necessarily meant that you would be destitute. Apparently in Roman society at the time there was a a dowry system operating in a certain portion of society whereby a woman whose husband had died would have a dowry, funds that she could use to keep being supported either in her own household if her son became the new head of the house, or if she went back to live in her parents' house, uh, dowry, uh, the dowry helped provide for her ongoing care. 
Uh, being widowed didn't automatically mean being destitute. But this support clearly wasn't available to all. And even where it was, it seems some families weren't actually doing the right thing. They were choosing not to support their mother or grandmother. And Paul says no. Well, that, that, that's as good as denying your faith, denying your responsibility to care for those in your family. It's as good as denying your faith. He's pretty harsh uh, towards those who neglect, <clears throat> neglect this duty. Uh, part of your religious duty, he says, meaning religion in a, a positive sense, the actions that should be a natural part of your system of belief should include caring for the needy in your own family. James 1 Verse 27 again, religion that our God and our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. It should be natural that the family members uh, of widows, especially in Christian families, they do what's required. They, uh, as Paul mentioned, they repay the love and care that, that they've given you all your life and provide the help that's needed rather than let the church bear the burden. I've seen this in a very tangible, uh, literal sense in my own family. My grandma on my mum's side became a widow when I was about uh, five or six years old. Uh, she, she was a robust and capable woman, very independent. Even into her early 80s, she'd be out mowing the lawn, for example. Uh, she had a great group of friends and neighbours in her little country town. She'd walk up to the shops and get whatever she needed whenever she needed it, but... As she started to need more help, well, as a family, we provided it. Mum was an only child, so mum and dad uh, would take us often up to grandma's. We'd mow the lawn when it got beyond grandma's ability. It was a pretty big lawn, <laughs> several house lots. Um, dad would do odd jobs around the place. Mum would take grandma shopping, and often grandma would cook us up a big roast. That was my favourite part of <laughs> going to grandma's. I enjoyed that more than the mowing, but still... And when Grandma couldn't live on her own anymore, uh, she came to live with Mum and Dad and they cared for her. Mum, particularly, uh, for years, Grandma hardly needed to spend a night in hospital or even a nursing home uh, until she passed away at 97 years of age. Now, that's not necessarily a story of a family taking the financial burden so that the church could be relieved of it, uh, but it is an example of a, a Christian family expressing their love and care uh, by looking after the needs of a widow in their family, looking after the needs of someone who's provided so much in her life for them, <laughs> and looking after the needs of someone who, who now is beyond caring for themselves. Uh, it's an example I've been grateful, grateful to see, and I'm sure many of you could share similar stories. Um, this is the way that Christian families ought to care for each other and care for the needy in their families, and it seems the same couldn't be said for some families in the church at Ephesus. Um, Paul seems to be responding to a situation where the church is supporting some who could actually be cared for by their immediate families. If, if, if there is a support available from the family, that was to be given first. And then those who had no, didn't have that source of help, uh, then the church was to help. Uh, as Paul describes this situation, he points uh, first of all, to, to God primarily as, as the one the vulnerable and needy can rely on. Have a look at chapter 5, verse 5. Uh, the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God, 
and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. The one who is really in need, truly alone and without help, well, first of all, puts their hope in God. Uh, He goes on to say the widow who fails to rely on God by contrast, who lives for pleasure, essentially who lives for herself, which is... In trouble, chapter 5, verse 6, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Now, the same could be said for any vulnerable person or any person, full stop. To rely on God means life, but to live only for self means death in the end. Uh, in a sense, these are uh, criteria which show who is eligible for the church's help. The, there's the physical criteria of, of true need, financial Uh, destitution, and the spiritual criteria of of godliness, the widow who relies on God. Uh, Paul gives, he goes on there to give a more detailed description of the criteria involved. He's being very specific here and he's giving Timothy some instructions about who is, uh, how how to decide who goes on the list to receive church support. Essentially it's about someone who has shown herself to be a genuine Christian, who has been faithful and servant-hearted in her life, someone with a a good reputation in the church. Uh, Follow along with me here. Uh, Chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. This is a way, perhaps, of making sure that those who receive help are genuine, that they're not just coming to the church because they know the church is a good place to get help. Not just coming to the church because, well, they have money and they're willing to hand it over, but genuine members of the church, known by others to be genuine. By contrast, uh, there are criteria for those who aren't to go on the list. And Paul specifically describes younger widows, suggesting it seems other forms of help and provision are available, especially when you're younger. Chapter 5, verses 11 to 12. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have, the, they have broken their first pledge. That's unsure exactly what the pledge that Paul describes uh, here is. Uh, seems to be uh, a promise that once on the list, a promise uh, to remain unmarried in order to keep receiving the help the church gives. And as Paul says, look, a younger woman would find this harder to do. It might be far more natural for her to look to remarry. Uh, this is what Paul's saying. It seems that Paul is responding to a situation where certain women were taking advantage of receiving the support, taking the help offered by the church, and taking life easy. Uh, but being widow didn't being a widow didn't mean the end of your useful serving life. It, the help the church gave wasn't uh, simply welfare that you could simply bludge off. Um, but maybe some were treating it this way simply because they they were a widow. Paul has been speaking very specifically about the situation in the church at Ephesus here, chapter five, verses thirteen to fifteen. Uh, he says, besides, they get into the habit of getting of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. 
So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan. See again a specific problem Paul is responding to where the support that's available actually has caused some to take advantage uh, and where some have actually done so to their own detriment, done so to the point they've actually fallen away from the Christian life. Maybe some are claiming to be Christian just to receive the help, maybe because it's not available anywhere else in society and they've slipped into a lifestyle that's actually led them away from God. So Paul sets some fairly definite criteria for, for the church to decide how best to care for the widows in their midst. And again, this would have been a much larger problem then than it would be for us today. Uh, he says, for the widows' part, well, they, they ought to take stock of their lives, live in a, a godly way, not, not so that they can simply earn a handout from the church, but so they can contribute, continue to contribute where they can and not be an unnecessary burden on the church. Uh, perhaps if you remember chapter 2, living the peaceful and godly lives described there rather than, as he says, going around being gossips, making mischief, etc. Uh, so how do we read and apply uh, a passage like this? Do we immediately set up a register of widows here at Bald Hills using the specific criteria Paul gives here. Uh, well, no, I don't think that's quite what we do. It's a bit like what we saw in chapter 2, where there are some very specific instructions uh, regarding men praying with raised hands and women remaining silent in church. Uh, as we did there, we should do here, we should read this in context and apply the principles, even if not every detail will slot directly into 21st century life in Australia. Uh, society and culture certainly are different today. There are support systems and welfare available that simply didn't exist in Roman society. Uh, churches aren't required to provide major financial help to their members, uh, very often not, not in quite the same way as might have been required then. Uh, and though care and help is still to be available, of course, and we'll think about that in a moment, also, considering widows as a category of needy people, we could apply the principles here to various people in need, various people who are vulnerable and needy. Uh, and in fact, widows may or may not be any more needy than anyone else today, as they were then. Uh, they can actively serve well into their older years, uh, be financially stable, and I mean that's the case in our own church today, we know, and... Uh, like any like any member, we seek to care for all members of our church, supporting and discipling them through the various struggles of life. Maybe we could do a better job at supporting those who are specifically widows in our uh, church, but I think we can apply two key principles here more broadly uh, to church life. And first, the principle of discernment. So Paul asserts that those truly in need should be the ones to receive help. Uh, those in need today can be in many categories, whether young or old. Uh, it could be people struggling with uh, substance abuse uh, or relationship breakdown, 
uh, those with physical or mental disabilities, uh, those suffering the effects of increasing age and infirmity, uh, those who've lost loved ones. Uh, again, discerning what the needs are that people have, uh, discerning who it is that is really in need, uh, meaning who, who is all, already has help provided, perhaps, uh, and as we know, the, the, there is so much help already available, perhaps from, from family or government, and asking ourselves the question as church, well, what help beyond that available and already been received can the church give? Being discerning in that sense, asking ourselves the question, well, how can the church perhaps help families who are caring for those in need? Uh, because that's something we know is happening well and, and all the time. Uh, and it's lovely to see the way families in our church do seem to care well, do seem to provide the help and support that their own family members need. How can the church support them? And the care provided won't be the same in every situation. It might mean uh, in our own families that we, we have care for an elderly mum or dad in our home, like the example I gave earlier. Uh, or it might mean using the, the wonderful care available in, in various institutions, uh, depending on, on our capacity to provide the ongoing care that's needed. Uh, it's about being discerning what help is needed and where should that help best come from. Is someone asking for help when they really don't need it uh, and just taking advantage of the help the church offers? I've rarely had to deal with that situation. Uh, probably more often than that, it's the case that we don't always ask for help when actually we could do with a hand. Uh, and at that time, the church should stand ready to help. Uh, and I think we are ready to help at Bald Hills. Uh, we, there is a process for providing financial or other assistance when people need, uh, but it's something for us as a church to be continually evaluating, thinking about how we care for the needy, uh, how that can happen in a variety of ways, uh, and, and what help we can give. It's not just a financial, because often that's not the need, but there are other needs, and how can we seek to meet them where we can. Uh, we want to be a church that stands ready to help wherever we can. Secondly, the principle uh, of dignity, I think, is one that applies here. Paul describes ways in which widows receive help and ways in which widows can help themselves and help others. And that's true for any person in just about any situation in life. Those in need should have the opportunity to receive according to their need and the opportunity to give according to their ability. Uh, so taking help without thought of any personal responsibility in turn or allowing the help that's offered to kind of give a free pass in life, that, that doesn't afford any kind of dignity to the person. But serving where you can and willing, willingly receiving the help that you need is both good things and dignity can be maintained rather than allowing people to simply take advantage of the help that's given. Uh, we grow as we serve others and we give others the chance to serve us. Uh, and a person can be in both situations at the same time. Uh, so maintaining dignity and maintaining a, a life of godliness and service while at the same time asking for and receiving the help that we might need. Ultimately, we rely 
on God, as Paul says in verse 5, and we live out our belief in God as we help those in need. Uh, we put our religion into practice, uh, which is what godliness is, living what we believe. Uh, it's the, remember, godliness uh, springs from the gospel. Godliness springs out of the truth about Jesus. And we know that God is a God who has provided all we need in Jesus. God is a God who provides the greatest need for the most vulnerable, which is every single person provides forgiveness for sin and the hope of eternal life, provides for a need that we can't possibly meet on our own. And as people who gratefully receive that, that gift, that help, we can then live in ways which pass on that love to others, which demonstrate our gratitude in the way that we care for the needy, care for the vulnerable amongst us. And God commands us uh, to do this as people, uh, too, outside the church, see the church living in this way as they see Christian families caring for the needy amongst them instead of being selfish or ignorant of them. Churches giving help where help is needed, people serving each other as we're able. Well, that's a powerful witness that demonstrates the, the love of the, the great God that we, that we trust in, that we believe in. It shows to others an example of what God has done for us uh, in a world where well, people just don't always help the needy. <laughs> the vulnerable are taken advantage of all the time. Uh, so as we live this way, we'll be showing an example of God's goodness and love. Let's pray and ask God to help us to do that. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your goodness to us. We praise you for your love, your mercy, your grace, demonstrated in your Son, Jesus. We praise you and thank you that you've met our greatest need. You have cared for the vulnerable by providing forgiveness for sin and the hope of life beyond death, freedom from sin and death. We give you great praise for this, Lord. We praise you for the opportunity to have heard the gospel, responded and in faith and, and have received the great gift that you offer. We, we pray that we will live uh, in ways which demonstrate our gratitude for this gift. We pray that you help us, Lord, to live as people who, like you, love and care for the vulnerable, who, who look after those in need. Help us to demonstrate your love in the way that we love each other. As we do this, Lord, help us to be uh, discerning and wise. Help us to do so in a way which is, uh, makes the best use of uh, the resources you've given us as a church. Help us to do so in a way which encourages both the, the receiving of help when it's required and uh, the, the, the use of, of uh, our gifts on the part of all our church family to, to serve and help each other. Might we do this, Lord, that you would be glorified and uh, might we do it in your name. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.